At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Brandon. Come on! Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? When the music is done and when the emotional high has gone away, do you stand on his word that he is a faithful and the true witness? Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Woo. I'm already, I'm, I messed up. I'm already messed up. <laughs> Woo. You can take a seat. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are good. It's been too long that I've been gone. I can't even feel my hand right now. Like, I don't even know how I'm holding this microphone. He's good. Listen, I, 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 <laughs> hallelujah. Woo, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, somebody begin to put demons to flee. Jesus. Somebody just say the name. Je hey, somebody has some unwelcome spirit in their house. And you've tried everything else but the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody begin to say, Jesus is Lord of my house. Jesus is Lord of my, no other spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome in my home. Woo, take authority over those, those, those spirits that try to attach themselves. This is exactly what the church has been called to do at this time. Not shrink back in fear, not shrink back in uncertainty, not shrink back as if it's defeated because we have the head of the church that is king of kings and lord of lords. Hallelujah. Oh, but Pastor Brandon, you don't see the world. The Lord is the, he is Lord over the earth. Nothing catches the Lord by surprise. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Woo! Tired of walking around with defeated Christians. Like they don't even, they, they sing about the sacrifice of Jesus. They sing about what he has done. But when we walk out of these four, these four walls, we walk around like we're defeated and we have no sense. No wonder people ain't getting saved and coming to Jesus when those who call himself the followers don't even believe in him. Ah, no, no, no. It will never happen to me. Listen, Peter was the one who denied Jesus. His own inner circle ran away when Jesus was crucified. Makes you think you'll act any different. But you don't see the world, Pastor Brandon. Radical Islam is on the rise. Fear instead of faith. You know, you don't understand we're under attack by militant agenda, a militant homosexual agenda. Fear instead of faith. Do we believe that he's able or do we not? Listen, listen. We're in a crisis. I don't, you can turn on any news channel that you want to turn on. And you will see that we're in a crisis. But I'm here not to, not to get the next greatest series of messages. No, no, no. And, I, and I'm glad for series. All I want you to do is to read the word and to believe it. That's all you've been called to do. 
I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that says one day a poor soul will grab a hold of this Bible, read it, and put all of Christianity to shame. We're always looking for an interpretation. I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear Jesus. This is the place you go to hear his word. Nothing catches the Lord by surprise. You don't see the world, but all of Matthew 24 tells Jesus, told you exactly what's going to happen. Who knew that all these, all this racial discrimination and all this racial crisis is going to come up? Jesus said in Matthew 24, nation will rise against nation, or in the Greek, ethnos will rise against ethnos, or in the English, race will rise against race. Try to tell me that, that, that God is caught by surprise for what the adversary is doing. It's the biggest lie that the adversary could never tell you. I'm here, and all that I've done, and all that I have prayed and sought the Lord in the past six weeks about this word, I'm here to get you from crisis to Christ is. Every time you hear a never report, you say, Christ is my healer. Every time that one rebellious child comes in as if he's possessed, God is his deliverer. Christ is his deliverer. Nothing catches the Lord by surprise. He said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. Everything started with Jesus, and everything will end with Jesus. We tend to look at, help me, Holy Ghost. We tend to look at time linear, point A to point B. But what we don't know is that Jesus is metaphysical. He's transcendent. There's not a point A to a point B for Jesus. He's not bound by space. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by, ma bound by matter because he exists in an eternal realm. And the eternal realm and the spiritual realm are one and the same. That's why when G the works of Christ began in the Old Testament, I believe Jesus was present in creation because the Bible says in him we move, we exist, and we have our being. I believe that Jesus was the covering of Adam and Eve's sin and nakedness. Since the beginning of time, the Father had a redemptive plan that would cover all of humanity. Even though the Word declares that these acts and miracles happen to a select amount of people, but objectively God had a greater plan in His mind. I'm, just here, I'm, I'm not here to pump you up. I'm, I'm not here to make you happy because that's not what I'm all about. I ain't here to make you feel good. If that's why you're here, you're in the wrong church. I'm here to stir your faith up. That's what I'm here for, to stir your faith up. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. That's all that I'm here for. I'm not this type of preacher to try to make you feel good. No, I got too much boldness and bluntness within me, and the Holy Spirit won't let me be any other way. I, I've, I've trained under some of the greatest generals of the faith. I'm not even here to be like them. I'm here to do what the Holy Spirit has called me to do. And the Holy Spirit told me that some people came into this place with doubt, with fear, not knowing who Jesus is, and uncertainty. And God wants you to live the best possible life as the bride that you can live. Not with fear 
Not with, with hatred and bitterness and backbiting and backtalking. You're the bride that's making the bridegroom probably think about what he did. We're the bride of Christ. And he is the bridegroom. So I'm here just to break down for you. If you don't, if you don't know, if it's been a while since you've gotten into this word, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you because I have a bunch of scriptures of what Jesus did. How many of you are going to leave this place changed? Come on, I'm, I'm talking about for real. How many of you are going to leave this place changed? Never to go back to the way you were. Listen, I don't care if you sinned yesterday. I don't care if you sinned Friday. I don't care if you fell during vacation Bible school. I don't care. All I know is that the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus is greater. And if you've come into this place, burden, the Bible says, little children, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And if you are faithful to repent of your sins, he is faithful to forgive you of them. We have too many people in the church walking around with too much burden and too much weight. The burden and the weight of their sin that you come into a place where the presence of God is tangible and you can just touch it. But you leave this place unchanged because somebody lied to you in terms of a person being used by the adversary that you're not good enough and that you've done too much in your life for the father to forgive you. Let me give you a little bit of a let me give you a little bit of of a picture, God help me, of the grace of God. What does scripture tell us? Where sin abounds, what much more abounds? Grace. Oh, help me, Lord. I went down to Mississippi, and I have friends who are homosexuals. And they went down to Pride Day, and they had pictures of rainbows and all this stuff. And I said, wait a minute, God. I began to shout, well, why would you do that, Brandon? What was the covenant between God and, and Noah? The rainbow. Read Revelation chapter 4. What did John see was like a jasper over the throne. A rainbow. You want to know how, God, how great God's grace and mercy are? Every time these friends of mine who are homosexual go out into the street and begin to parade for coming out, they begin to wave that rainbow flag over them. And the Bible calls God a banner. And they don't know what the God meant for what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. They are waving the mercy and the grace of God over themselves every time that they gather together. If we serve a graceful God like that, what makes you think that your sin is not forgivable? That's the we we make we make the gospel so difficult to believe that people who get converted initially have a hard time. Walking with Jesus, and they normally last six months, if not less, because of the spirit of religion. Oh, you got saved, put on a skirt. Oh, you got saved, shave your beard. Oh, put on a shirt that buttons your this and that and this and that. And don't do this and don't do that. Instead of saying, you need to walk in the grace of Jesus, walk in the love of Jesus, walk in the mercy of Jesus, leave room for error because you're not perfect. Leave room for error because you're not perfect. The church is in crisis, but I believe that if we put ourselves in this word, there can be a paradigm shift to what God initially wanted the church to actually be. So the work of Christ began, let me go to the scripture, turn to Luke chapter 4. 
me and Pastor got into a pretty awesome theological discussion this morning about the deity and the humanity of Jesus. Luke chapter 4. What verse are we going to go to? Start with verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he, everybody say he, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set, the free, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favor, favorable year of the Lord. What, what, what me and Pastor were talking about earlier today was, gee, let me, I'm going to get into a little bit of theology, and if you're bored, just stop listening, because I have an entire degree on this, and I love it. <laughs> Jesus was fully man. And he was fully God. <laughs> but, ooh, I hope the church gets this. Holy Spirit. And even though he was fully divine God, he limited himself on earth. Doesn't mean that he stopped being omnipresent, that he stopped being all-knowing, that he stopped being all-powerful. But he limited himself and fit into a human body so he can walk and do miracles and teach the church exactly how they would operate in his name. Stay with me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord Jesus in every right that he had, Philippians tells us that he emptied himself of some privileges. Not that he gave them up and made them any less God, but he just emptied himself and took upon human flesh as a servant. But if Jesus was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do works and wonders in the sight of the people, what makes the church believe that we don't need the Holy Spirit to finish the mission that Jesus started in 33 AD? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it got quiet on me. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit is quenched when you're bitter. The Holy Spirit is quenched when you have unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit is quenched when you have sin in your life. The Holy Spirit is quenched when you talk against your spiritual authority. The Holy Spirit is quenched when you put your pride and your will before that of the Father's. So don't complain to me and say, oh, the Spirit of God is not moving the church like it used to in the book of Acts. Check your hearts and, and make sure that there is nothing that you are doing that's quenching the Holy Spirit. Jesus did all these works. Somebody here is waiting on God and you're getting impatient. But he's not moving exactly how you want him to move. Lord, I need all of this stuff here. And I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and nothing is happening. Let me tell you a little narrative in the Bible. In John 4, okay, there was a little woman by the name, well, I gave her a name. 
I called her Mildred, but the Bible just calls her the woman with the issue of blood. You come and complain to me after you've been waiting for the Lord to move for 12 years. You complain to me after you've been suffering and waiting for God to move. And in one instant, Jesus was walking with little his homies, Peter and John and James. And this woman saw the opportunity to pursue Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. And suddenly she was healed. Let me tell you another little story about a man. Uh, about a, uh, uh, Let me see here. He was a royal official whose son had died. And the Bible says that while the woman with the issue of blood was being healed, his daughter, this is Jairus actually, his daughter had died. And the Lord said, only have faith in me and she will be made well. And the Bible tells us that the moment that Jesus said that, she was made well. Let me tell you something to you. Christ is perfect timing. Your crisis might be big because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to feed your babies. You don't know how you're going to pay your rent. You don't know how you're going to pay your car bill. But, but, but crisis doesn't trump the fact that Christ is perfect timing. And he knows exactly when he will show up. And he knows exactly when he will bring the miracle that you're seeking. Just have faith in God. Jesus said, do not be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in the Father and believe in me. Do not be true. Raise your hand if you've ever gone to bed without eating. Under Christ, in your walk with Jesus. Raise your hand if you don't have a roof over your head. Raise your hand if you didn't have a way to make it to church today. I thought so. Because God takes care of his children. Those who are faithful and true. Somebody here is addicted, and you might be hiding it very well. Nobody here may have enough discernment to be able to recognize that you're dealing with some stuff. But you know what? Christ is deliverer. The Bible says that there was a man who was possessed in Mark chapter 1. And the moment Jesus walked on, the true Christ walked on. Those demons recognized who he was and said, what do we have to do with you, son of God? And the Bible says that he cast him out and the man was delivered. Somebody needs to begin to proclaim Jesus as deliverer in their home. Oh, is anybody getting this? Is anybody getting it? I hope to. Because listen, whether you get it or not, I'm going to have it. And I decided to walk in a perpetual state of awakening regardless of. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a thermostat. I'm not a thermometer. That's just the way I see it. Somebody here needs a healing. You've been dealing with this thing for a very, 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 very long time. Very long time. But you know what? Jesus is going to heal you. You know how hard it is for us to believe that Jesus is healer? It's a struggle because the human nature within you doesn't like to, be, doesn't like to wait. The, the, the human nature, the stinky flesh that, that is just a, for, a vehicle for your spirit, man, battles the spirit of God. Believing the fact that he's a healer or not. But you know what? It's like my pastor said earlier, raise your hand if he's never healed you before. Raise your hand if he's never healed you. I, I mean, listen, since the time that I've been here, I've seen people get healed. I've heard people get healed of cancer. <laughs> I've seen people, I've seen babies be born where they weren't supposed to be born. I'm the children's pastor over a little girl who wasn't supposed to even be here today or be operating like she is. And I see her every Sunday raise her hands in worship. Don't tell me God's not a healer. 
Don't tell me that God doesn't heal, that Jesus no longer heals in this time. I was supposed to have a foot shorter than another when I was nine years old. But by the Spirit of God and by healing, He extended my leg. You have miracles in this place that are supposed to be altars of remembrance, but we tend to forget what God has done. It's another message for another time. Somebody here is believing the Lord to provide financially. I'm here to tell you Jesus is a provider. Look at your neighbor and say, he will provide. Jesus is a provider. Tell that to Peter who had fished for hours and hours and hours. And Jesus finally got on the boat and said, cast the net to the other side. And this man was like, well, Jesus, we did this and nothing has happened. He said, shut your mouth and cast the net. And he cast the net and there was an abundance of fish. Well, what about the time that they came to Jesus and say, hey, are you subject to the Roman government? Do you pay taxes? And what did Jesus say? Listen, go to the fish and get a coin out the mouth. Jesus is a provider. Don't come to me and look at me like I'm crazy if you go fishing in the Cumberland River and find $20 in a fish's mouth. Because I won't be shot because Jesus is a provider. We limit God. We put him in a box to human means. Who said that he can't supernaturally cancel your debt? And I don't mean to be a, a, a prosperity preacher. God knows that I'm far from that. But the word tells me that if I seek the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness, everything else shall be added on to me. Everything else shall be added on to me. That's, what, that's your prosperity message right there. Do what you're supposed to do. Be faithful to God. Seek the Lord. Pray, fast, give to the poor, give to the widow, and see if God won't bless you in ways that you've never imagined him to bless you before. I'm not preaching nothing new. I'm not preaching any awesome new revelation. We're so accustomed to try to hear the newest stuff. This is a living document, a living word, the Bible says. I'm not preaching anything new to you. I'm just trying to stir your faith up to what the Word says because there's going to come a time where we may not be in this awesome building with all the lights and all the cameras and all the comfortable pews and we might be just like our brothers and sisters in China underground who don't even have the Word of God and I'm trying to get you to a place where you will read this Word and hide it in your heart in case anything ever happens. Well, we're America. It doesn't matter. Every great empire has had its downfall. But I believe that God, woo, I believe that God in one moment can change this nation with the greatest awakening that we have ever encountered before. The church will never be defeated. The church, you hear me? The church will never be defeated because it is the bride of Christ. Read your word and get, let your faith get stirred up. Christianity survived the Roman Empire. Christianity survived the Ottoman Turks. Christianity survived Nazism. Christianity survived a man named Saul who on a places would breathe threats around the church. You know what God did? He saved them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He saved them. And not only that, he sent revival all through the known Roman world. 
Send awakening through the known Roman world. He didn't do, he, he did great and mighty things. The church will survive, but we cannot take our eyes off of who the Son of God is. I don't care how many messianic personalities appear in the Republican National Convention or the DNC. Our hope and our faith is not placed upon a presidential candidate. It's placed on the Son of God. And I'm not saying don't do your due diligence and go and vote. I'm not saying that. You are to be a good citizen. But if your faith, if your faith is placed upon a man, you are set up to fail. You are set up, setting yourself up to fail. Because Jesus, and Jesus is greater than everything that this world has. So is your faith being stirred up today? Half of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm saying. I just want to know, I, I want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when you walk it out of this place, you don't walk out without any answers to your problems or any more doubt or uncertainty. Because we serve a Christ who is living. We serve the living God and his name is Yahweh and he is greater than anything. And his son Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and the Bible says that because he was obedient to the death of a, of a cross, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every, every name. Somebody here is dealing with an issue as well. It might be you, it might be your family. Listen, if you think I'm crazy, talk to the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying what he's telling me. Somebody here believes and has accepted the death sentence of some type of disease. But you know what? Jesus is willing. Christ is willing to heal you. Bible says a leper. Shut up, Siri. Bible says a leper. Nobody told you to speak. I'm talking about Jesus right now. Bible says that a leper came up to Jesus. And what did he ask him? If you are willing, make me whole. When we deal with negative doctor's reports, we come to the Lord. And I don't pray like this. If you're willing, Lord, make me whole. If, if it is your will, God, let me be healed. If it is your will, here's a scripture. I'll give you the reference. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. Jesus said, I am willing. Be made whole. I am willing. This, this, what, what, what did he say when it came to, I believe it was Lazarus. He's like, this death is unto the glory of the Lord. This sickness will be unto the glory of the Lord. He is willing to heal you. He is willing to make you whole. And he will use what he does in your life for the greatest purpose of, uh, of ministering to other people who deal with the same circumstances maybe a year or so down the road. Do not ever doubt that the Father is willing to heal you because that was the purpose of Isaiah 53. He bore our diseases. He bore our sins. He bore our transgressions. Why would the Spirit of God talk to Isaiah and say, write these words down if that was not to be fulfilled by Jesus? He bore our diseases and our transgressions. 
He is. Christ is willing to heal us. Some of this, this is one area here that I always dealt with. When I would go into sin as a believer, I always felt hard, you know, like God was mad at me. Like, like he was upset. I, I put myself like on a point at a point B linear graph. Like I was, oh yeah, I'm doing good. I'm going to point B. Bam, I sinned. Start at the beginning and go back. And that's the way that I lived for a constant amount of time. But you know what? The Bible tells us in Luke 7, 11 through 17 about a widow's son who was dead. You know what Jesus was at that moment? Jesus Christ is compassionate. Because the Bible said that he had compassion upon the widow and resurrected what was dead. Don't ever, don't ever feel bound and let your mind get you to such a place where you doubt God's grace, where you doubt God's mercy, where you doubt like you have to start all over again. Because in that moment where you are at, the compassion of the Lord is greater for you than at any other time. And He is willing to resurrect that dead spirit that's within you and make you come alive once again. Christ is compassion. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> I messed up, guys. <laughs> Jesus is good. I, I'm at this point where I'm just like, Lord, what, is the, what does your death, your burial, and your resurrection mean to me? And it's more than, that's all we know. Yeah, he died for my sins. Yeah, he resurrected. Yeah, he ascended to the Father. But we don't know the benefits of that. We only heard a sermon, and that's what we believe. Let me show you, show you in his, let me, let me tell you what Christ is through his death. And we're going to get a little theological here again. But I want this to stir your faith up. Through the death of Christ, he is atonement, forgiveness of sin. <laughs> he was guilt because he took our guilt and our shame upon ourselves. That's why you, when you sin, don't have to feel guilty because Jesus took it upon himself at the cross. Sometimes we think that Jesus died for my past sins. No, I told you, Jesus came from an eternal realm and he operated in a spiritual realm. That's why when he died for sin, the Bible says that he died for sin how many times? Once, and he can never be crucified once again. He, he was in the was, forgiven your was, that I, I was a drug dealer. I was a gang member. I was a drug addict. I was addicted to porn. And because Jesus is the was, he was in my past forgiving me of those sins. <laughs> Jesus, through his death, became justification. All it is, is the act of God declaring us that we're righteous. It, but I sinned. It don't matter. You're righteous. But I lusted. It doesn't matter. You're righteous. I got angry with my brother and I have content in my heart. It doesn't matter. You are justified and declared righteous in the eyes of God because of his son, Jesus. He took the penalty of our sin through his death. He suffered and was humiliated for our sins. Everything that we owe to the father because of our sins, Jesus took it upon himself. He took 40 lashes minus one in his back. I think I would have passed out before they even hit me. And he stayed there. Scripture says, 
He was silent like a lamb being sent to the slaughter. He was our propitiation. Jesus satisfied all of God's righteous demands for judgment on us. Your sin, your wickedness require judgment upon you. And because Jesus came to this earth as flesh, he was the satisfactory payment for the judgment that should have been brought upon you. Jesus. He was our ransom. We were held hostage by sin. We were, we were held hostage against our will because of our sin. But when Jesus came, he was the paid price for our deliverance. Reconciliation. I love this one. There was a, a, a breach, a gap between man and God. But when Jesus came, he reconciled us. He changed our status from condemned to acceptable. If that don't make you shout, I don't know what will. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Are you feeling what I'm feeling? I'm telling you, I'm on my own. That's all right, though. Re, what am I? Redemption. Remission. I love this one. How many of you, you know what I hate the most? I can't stand Facebook. I think I'm going to deliver, uh, get rid of it. How many of you hate those memories that they bomb you with on a daily basis? Here's your memory from like three years ago. I'm going to need Facebook to use remission and send all my past away. <laughs> that's what I'm going to need. And that's what remission was in the eyes of Jesus. Every sin that you ever committed, he sent it away. <laughs> Stop thinking about how you messed up because Jesus don't care about it no more. He don't care. What's under the blood is covered. Stop living in, in self-condemnation. He forgave you and he sent your sins away. He gave you remission. No longer to be looked at again. No longer to be thought about again. If you are still condemned and still have not forgiven yourself, that in my eyes is pride because you are holding yourself at a greater standard than what the Father holds you to. I'm just trying to get you to where you're free from everything that's been just hounding you. Woo! Substitution. Through his death, he died in my place. He died in my... Listen, I love you dearly. Dearly. But if you ever commit a crime that gets you the death penalty, Brad ain't going to be there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That ain't going to happen. I will not be like Christ in that sense. Oh, man, give me the injection. No. But you know what? That's how great God is that Jesus said, I will die in his place. Nail me to the cross. Put the crown of thorns on my head. Spear, uh, spear me on my side. Ridicule me. Tear my beard out. Whip me with the cat of nine tails. Do what you need to do rather than do it on him or her. My goodness. Whew. That's just his death. That's just, do I still have more time? It's like 1158. Give me about 10 more minutes. In his resurrection, Christ is the sender of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Me and Pastor were talking about it today. In earth, Christ had the Holy Spirit to help him do his miracles. But when he ascended, he could not take the Holy Spirit with him. Therefore, he released it unto us. Because if Jesus knew that we were limited on earth through our flesh, Jesus knew that we needed the Spirit of God to operate in an unlimited, eternal, and spiritual realm. Everybody hears the word Holy Ghost and gets freaked. Ooh, he said ghost. Like, it's like a per walk, boo. No. It's the empowerment of the Spirit to walk in signs and wonders and in miracles. It's, in, it's what the church operated in on a daily basis. It, the Spirit of God was what was upon Stephen when he preached to the elders and to the officials of the synagogue. And the Spirit of God was so great upon him that it pricked the hearts of those who were listening to his words. It was the Spirit of God who was upon Philip who spoke to Philip. The Spirit of God is willing to speak only if you are willing to listen. It was the Spirit of God who spoke to Philip and said, there is a eunuch who is reading the book of Isaiah. I need you to run up to his chariot and jump on. If you're willing to listen, the Holy Spirit, right now the Holy Spirit is speaking. At this very moment, the Spirit of God that dwells within you is speaking to your heart. But you must be willing to listen. I'm almost done. In his resurrection, Jesus is the bestower of eternal life. Whew. You know, there's no need. If you go to bed worrying about where you're going to end up, whether heaven and hell, you haven't met Jesus. Whew. You haven't met Jesus. Because if you hadn't met Jesus, you'd go to sleep knowing that when I die, my eyes are going to open before his presence. He is the bestower of eternal life. Whew. He is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. He is the one who is in charge. Not your pride, not your will, not your wants, not your desires, not your manipulation in the church. It is he who is the head of the church. Next to that, he being the head of the church, all right, I'm about to rebuke a little bit here. Being the head of the church is the bestower of gifts. Ephesians tells us that he bestowed the five-fold ministry to the church. He gets, so somebody better thank the Lord for Pastor Odie because he came from Jesus. He is a bestower. Of, you know, let me change it for you if you don't understand. He is a bestower of Pastor Odie. He is a bestower of Pastor Justin. And he is a bestower of Pastor Brandon. He's a bestower of teachers. He's a bestower of prophets, apostles, and evangelism. An evangelist. He gifted that to the church. And we take for granted those who, who labor and who have founded works for God. But yeah, you know what? And I don't mean to get on a tangent, but what's up with all this? Like, we go to different conferences and we go to like big name conferences and we get all excited. Oh, Jesus is good. And we, we dance for the Lord and all this stuff. But then we come here and we take our pastors for granted. Does our leadership not hear from the Lord? Does our leadership not hear from God? Is God not speaking to those who he has placed over us? 
And just because it reminds me of what Jesus said, a prophet is not welcome in his own country. But we go out and we get filled with what God wants for us there. And we come here and we can't even subject ourselves to those who are over us. You know, I'm going to let that marinate for a little bit. Let the Holy Ghost talk to you on that. And in his resurrection, he is advocate. He's my heavenly attorney. That, Lord, Lord, God, Daddy, I know Brennan did something very stupid. I don't deny that. I, he, yeah, he's being dumb down there. I know he thought some things and he did some things he shouldn't have, but, but remember what I did, Daddy. Remember. Remember what I did. My, is my blood not sufficient? How many of you have ever thought about that? When you fall into some sin, you're just like, oh, my God, and all this stuff, and, oh, you know, I'm going to hell and all this but that moment that you fall into sin, Jesus is there saying, my blood is sufficient for the forgiveness of their sin. Ooh. In his resurrection, he became intercessor. Do you know that Jesus is praying right now? Jesus, the Son of God, sitting at the right hand of the Father, is interceding for you and me. So whenever you send these text messages that says, agree with me, pray with me, I need prayer for this, and nobody answers you because it's like 3 in the morning, remember that Jesus is praying for you. <laughs> Does that not rock your world? I mean, I mean, it's just like, oh, that's good. Okay. No, Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the one who was receiving 24-7 worship, who was worthy of power, dominion, glory, and honor, is praying for you. In his resurrection, he was a first fruits among the dead. Because he lives, I can live too. Because he resurrected, I can resurrect when the Lord calls my name to resurrect. If for some reason the Lord decides to take me. I like this one. He's a construction worker. Or you can say a foreman in his resurrection. Because he told, he, he told his disciples, I go to prayer per place for you. <laughs> there are many mansions. So he's my construction worker right now. He's just like, I know exactly what Brandon likes. You know, I have to make it this color. It's going to have to be here. He's preparing a place for us to be with him forever. In his ascension, he's no longer limited. He's Lord, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is the ultimate authority, and according to Ephesians chapter 2, he is high above every name, principality, principality authority, power, anything. He is the ultimate authority. Over all the universe, whether things that were created, uh, spiritual darkness, he has authority over all of them. He is currently in his position as high priest in heaven. He is the bridegroom in heaven, preparing a place and ready to return to his bride. And by no means is he caught by surprise. By no means does he not know what's going on this earth. By no means is he defeated. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, whenever everything was going to hell literally in the earth and everything was messed up and it seemed like the adversary was winning, John began to look at down the telescope of prophecy and he said, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he 
he who sat upon it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and he wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire. And upon his head are many crowns. And he has a name which is written upon him, which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That part, I taught you the was, I taught you the is of what he is to you at this very moment. That's the is to come. I don't care what happens in this world. I don't care how bad this world gets. In the end, the eastern sky will split open. And he will jump on a white horse. And the Bible says that he will come with ten thousands upon ten thousands of his saints. And he will judge the world. You can go ahead and come, Daniel. He will judge the world. I don't know what this message was for you. I don't know if you expected a shout-down message. I don't know if you expected something totally new, something totally different because you're so awesome and you know all the Bible. I don't know what you expected, but what I do know is there's no reason for you to leave this place without faith, there's no reason for you to leave this place with doubt. There's no reason for you to leave this place with fear. There's no reason to leave this place with worry. There is no reason for you to leave this place with anything that is anti-Jesus. This is what the word is for. The word has many uses. This word was to get you to the place where you're supposed to be at. I don't know your situation. I don't know if you're the one who needs a healing. I don't know if you're the one who needs to be delivered. I don't know. But you can't... I, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to begin to convict right now. Come on, intercessor, begin to pray. The Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody today. I don't know who it is. Some of you have lost sleep for weeks because of fear, because of anxiety, and because of worry. The Lord says, I am your Prince of Peace. I am your comfort. Some of you are burdened by your sin, but you're too afraid and too ashamed to come and to be set free. The Lord is saying to you, I am your deliverer. Some of you have had no, no fun, haven't smiled in weeks because all your worry, the Lord says, I am your joy. Who is the Spirit of God speaking? You know what? I'm not even going to call you out by name. I'm just going to ask everybody if you want to go ahead and stand up on your feet. The entire premise of this word was for your faith to increase. It's for your faith, your faith to increase in Jesus. You know what? Let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to make a shocking statement. You ready? The world's just going to get worse. Things are just going to get worse. They're not going to get better. And if you would read your word, it tells you that. Things are going to get much worse. But you know what? Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever. Jesus is the one who is willing to step into your life and bring peace to you in what your circumstances may be. Do you believe in him today? Do you believe in him? I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, real, do you believe in him? Have, do you know him? See, there's a difference between knowing about him Bible stories and narratives in the Word 
and knowing him personally. My niece and my nephew know beyond a shadow of a doubt. They know me. They're familiar with me. And they know that if they're ever in need of anything, Uncle Brandon will give it to them because of the love that I have for him. That's all our relationship is with Jesus. Knowing who he is. Knowing his nature, his characteristics, what makes him happy, what may make him sad. So I'm calling everybody to pray today. And I'm not talking about just those who may not even know Jesus. I'm talking about those who've been walking with him for uh, 10 days to 30 years. On a daily basis, walking with the Lord. That's what's going to keep you at peace in this time that we are in. That's what's going to give you certainty when you wake up and see good in the world because the Lord is over the world. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. Not only in your life if you're willing to make Him, but in this world. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.